Good evening. Evening to those listening online. Associate Pastor Sean Mercer filling in for Pastor Rick this evening. Uh, if you have your Bibles, open up to Joel, chapter one, chapter one, verse seventeen. So probably easy to go to the middle, find Psalms, keep working your way to the right. I didn't pick it just to <clears throat> make you search through. So Joel chapter 1 verse 17, I'm going to talk about the flesh this evening, so entitled Our Flesh is a Foe, uh, examining our carnal nature and uh, looking at it again, something that <clears throat> in a heartbeat comes against us, naturally we find in opposition to us, overcoming and overcoming and overcoming and again overcoming, so uh, again our flesh is a foe as the title. I'll probably mention it to you a little ways in, but really looking at it again as um, a, a good a, a good reminder, a good ad- admonition, exhortation to again just be mindful, not from a condemning a place of condemnation, but more of a we should know it because we do know it, but we should be mindful of it, and again not just keep it in check, but looking to defeat, looking to bring it into submission, looking to overcome. So I'll read it to you, Joel chapter 1, verse 17. <clears throat> the seed shrivels, sorry, the seed shrivels under the clods, storehouses are in shambles. Barns are broken down, for the grain has withered. Speaking of a judgment, but what got God's people to this place was choices. And uh, now the consequences have arrived. So yet the Lord offers hope through repentance, which uh, we won't go through the whole letter. We'll just kind of touch on in verses as we move through. But uh, again, not looking at it from condemnation on our side this evening. You know, sin is sin is great. People's sin here was great. That's what got them into judgment in the first place. And again, uh, looking at kind of what precipitates that, what leads up to it, and uh, looking to avoid it. So again, choices were made that got them, got them to this place, and they were happily going along with those choices, and uh, now the consequences have arrived. So for uh, the people of God here, the consequences was the uh, locust plague, and then shortly followed after with a uh, drought as well, which only amplified the fact that all the food had been eaten, and again, the seed shrivels here, the grain has withered, and other verses throughout Joel that point to that as well. Um, <clears throat> what spoke to me here in this verse here, Joel chapter 1, verse 17, that middle part of the verse, storehouses are in shambles, barns are broken down. And again, knowing that this wasn't overnight, knowing that their sin wasn't immediate, that it wasn't judged immediately, that uh, this sin had been ongoing, And again, here come the consequences. The barns are broken down, storehouses in shambles. Again, the very mechanisms uh, and infrastructure that they had to uh, take God's blessings and use them were in such disrepair. And again, they were seen and, and spoken of as a broken down shambles. And again, that's what grabbed my attention from it. Not, and knowing that, uh, again, not immediate, not overnight, had this happened in their lives. They had uh, strayed and strayed and strayed, and again, we're under judgment here as we move through. Um, <clears throat> work is needed in our life, the life of a believer. So as we're submitted to God, work is needed and rest is needed as well. Um, not getting into too much of what's enough and what's too much and all the rest of it as we move through it much rather address, <clears throat> again, God's understanding of what we're up against, God's uh, way of salvation and understanding of, again, what it takes to be obedient, supplying the Holy Spirit, all that we have on our, on our side at our disposal, again, in our relationship with him, and uh, that it brings him much joy as we do. But, uh, again, kind of work is needed, rest is needed, and not getting into the the heart of particulars of what's what, leave that to you and how you're led. But, uh, you know, looking back on our lives, I think get a little older, takes a little bit more motivation, maybe a bit more of a reward to uh, get going. It's nice and easy when you're younger, 
get this done. You, I mean, you'd work a full day, what's eight hours, and then probably go and run around the park just because you can. And uh, as you get a little older, it's you know, a walk around maybe. <clears throat> and again, kind of got me thinking, identifying with the guy in Luke 11. So uh, Jesus teaches the parable. His friend knocks at midnight asking his neighbor for bread. And uh, knocks and calls out, and the man in the house says, you know, I'm in bed. I've got my kids. Everyone's, you know, put to bed for the night. How about you just leave me alone? Um, so the neighbor knocks again and uh, persists. And thinking about it, I probably would just ignore it at first, you know, like I wasn't home. I figured I could last quite a while, you know, on the knocking before getting annoyed. I actually know I could last a long time, you know, before getting annoyed because I have four kids. And I'm married, so I see some of you are too. Um, but again, because of the man's persistence uh, of asking, seeking, and knocking is the teaching of that passage there. But uh, because of the man's persistence, he gets up and gives his neighbor the bread that he asked for. But uh, again, as we move through seeing our flesh as a foe, uh, we must recognize it. I mean... When you wake up in the morning, there he or she is in the mirror, right? It's, I would like to do this with my day. I would like to be obedient in these ways. Maybe just finish devotions. Maybe you had your coffee getting into it. But it doesn't take very long. And again, <clears throat> not seeing the end can be discouraging. But the journey, again, is what counts. Uh, making choices that we either feed the spirit or the flesh. Uh, Galatians 5:16 and 17, Paul speaking here, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the, lust, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. Recognition of how things are, again, walking in the spirit, if we concentrate on that, we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. We take a few steps and then, again, walking in the spirit, not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. And how our lives show it to us, how, <clears throat> again, easy to, uh, to see it day after day after day after day. Really, no matter where you are on your walk with the Lord, New believer, younger believer, seasoned believer, flesh is always there. When you look in the mirror, there it is, winking and waving at you. <laughs> I see you've made it another day. Let's do it again. And that, again, that contrariness. So it would be nice if it kind of started and stopped, took a break, took a vacation for a few years, maybe a decade or two. But day after day after day, there it is. And again, not just recognizing it, but knowing... <clears throat> In, in the Lord we overcome it. Uh, again, so that the last part of that verse, so that you do not do the things that you wish. So what is naturally within us, our flesh is our carnal nature, that which wants to argue, that which wants to be in opposition, that which wants to look out for itself, that which cries me, 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 and doesn't stop and only gets louder and is never satisfied, it's never satiated, again, it never takes a break. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> this evening, again, as a reminder, more an exhortation to examine these things in our lives. Uh, don't worry, I've been preparing and enjoyed, just enjoyed being reminded of it as I've moved through. Easy to look at Joel one seventeen and, and not see, you know, again, the flesh in here, but to me, the storehouses are in shambles, the barns are broken down. Those things, again, don't happen overnight, and knowing that that takes time. And knowing it's easy to compartmentalize life in Christ, knowing it's easy to say, well, I'm trying my best over here, so you need to leave me alone over here. And it's just not so. Um, <clears throat> we're not able to subdue the flesh, tame the tongue, stop sinning. But as believers, again, with a new nature, Christ-likeness, we can and should be more and more by the work of the Spirit in us and through us to God's glory. Um, Psalm 139 23 and 24, reading this one from the King, from the King James, um, 
Psalm 139, 23, and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way of everlasting. Sorry, and lead me in the way everlasting. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Uh, we generally give ourselves the benefit of the doubt, do we not? Um, you know, I know I've got things to work on. But again, seeing, seeing it how God sees it, and search me, O God, and know my heart. Um, prayer is a great mechanism in this way. You pray out loud, and sometimes you, you hear what God hears, and you correct it because it sounds a little whiny or sounds a little self-focused. So all of these things that God gives to us uh, are just wonderful in how he has set it up knowing what would be needed in advance. Try me and know my thoughts. Again, God knows our thoughts before we think them and see if there be any wicked way in me. Well, we know what's there, but again, when it shows itself, what do we do? Lead me in the way everlasting and not forgetting again about that leading. Um, Not professing that God leads me, but acknowledging and trusting and then acting in faith that he does lead. Um, Here in Joel, again, back to kind of the passage that we're looking at, a very sudden famine, again, by the locust plague, followed by the drought. Uh, One of these would be enough to cause great problems within the economy, uh, great problems within the nation, but they had the two. And again, a judgment of their sin as a people. Thinking about a locust plague, you know, they, they descend and really no time to prepare just unfortunately watching the destruction, knowing that with every passing minute, more and more and more food is lost. Um, looking up, you know, videos of it and seeing it, uh, I, I mean, you have to empathize with the farmers. There's uh, one recently in South Africa that uh, was pretty bad, and farmers are out there with nets. And I think I would be doing the same thing, personally. I'm not just going to sit there and watch it kind of thing would be my inclination but as far as being able to recover any of the locusts and and defeat them and drive them elsewhere and really make an impact i mean it's not really they're there they're in their hundreds of thousands and they're not going to look at you and go oh you don't want us to eat okay we'll we'll move on to frank's field so um again just seeing the destruction having to sit there and see it and then it wash over them the realization of what's taking place And with the farming community, agrarian society, so everyone really growing their own back then, um, keeping in perspective, you know, the farmer outlays at risk, plants the seed, fertilized water, does all the work, and then gets to harvest what ripens. So they had outlaid it all. That was their food for that coming year at the end and into next year. So that was their security. They're essentially seeing their bank accounts. They're essentially seeing the stock market. They're essentially seeing everything that props up trade disappear and uh, not being able to do anything about it. So uh, for everyone in that day, if you like to eat, you know it hit home. and hit home, hit, hit home immediately. So for us today, having jobs that pay money, we spend the money in much the same way. But uh, crops for them, jobs for us. So again, easy way to compare it to us today. Uh, if any of you remember, in reference to the grain here, or the the, uh, the fields with the uh, harvest out there, if you can remember back to Lebanon, uh, back in August 2020, they had the uh, blast down at the docks that uh, destroyed quite a bit of the city. I think it was, uh, was it three... Uh, I'm not giving you the chance to tell me I was wrong. A lot of people died, and I think I know it was 300,000 homeless, so it gives you some idea of the scope. Um, okay, 200 dead, I think, 3,000, uh, 1,700, sorry, hospitalized. Anyway, it had created a 130-meter crater, so about a 400-foot crater at the dock was the explosion. And... Lebanon has, at its dock, grain silos. I think there's 30 of them. Uh, 
that are, uh, keeps the city's grain. So it's a symbol. They have it at the dock there from days of old for trade. But it's a symbol of their, again, their wealth in the sense of we've got food, we'll be taken care of. The understanding that that was their security as well. They can go about trade because they know they're going to make it through the winter. And again, looking at the destruction that the locusts had caused, God's people knew it wasn't going to be overnight, that again it was fixed. So Joel is led to speak for God here to his people at this time of sudden trouble, knowing it will take a while to recover from as well. So God moves Joel, and Joel responds as led. As a quick FYI, chapter 2, so Joel chapter 2, verses 12 through 17 look upon the call to repentance and chapter 2 18 through 32 the land is refreshed god's spirit poured out but drawing your attention to joel 225 lord speaking here so i will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten the crawling locust the consuming locust and the chewing locust my great army which i sent among you Again, so not examining the flesh as, oh, you know, uh, it's all too hard, it's all too much. Looking at it as it's an enemy to be recognized, it's formidable in the sense of it it, uh, has strength against us. But yet again, our obedience and faith in Christ to overcome it is not, again, a polite suggestion. It's what we do. Uh, God makes clear here he will restore, very much like him, to focus on the now and also on the future. Again, so they're going through this, God gives them hope, and uh, again offers it through repentance. uh, Chapter 2, verse 12, Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. I'm not going to continue to read on, but again offers it with the condition again of, I can't tolerate your sin, nor should you want to tolerate your sin. You shouldn't see what's going on and be okay with it. Again, having your bonds broken down, your storehouses in shambles, those places of your life that I need to, again, bless you through to sustain you, and you being mindful to keep them in order. Uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through 14. So Paul here, not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You know, the Christian's the only one that struggles with the flesh. The world goes along with the flesh, often wants to celebrate it. Um, Not just give it pride of place in the house, but have other people join in its dance and, again, ungodliness. So looking back at it in the sense of we know it's a part of us, we know that we're given a new nature, so why is it that we still struggle with it? And it would be nice not to, I think we could all agree. Um, Again, the choice, the obedience of faith, uh, if on this earth, if righteousness was instilled and automatic for us, I think it would be pretty ugly because we wouldn't be much use to a believer, an unbeliever, sorry, when we're perfect and they're not, and all we have to do is submit to Christ. I mean, he leaves that there in the sense of, again, Adam gave dominion over. That choice was made for us. We enter into, again, being born again, yet still retaining our sinful nature, our carnal nature, our flesh here, and understanding that, through obedience and through faith and again tending to that ever increasing our dependence on God to live his life through us submitting in the sense of again having the flesh be submitted to the spirit in us and through us and our obedience to get that done our obedience to to stick at it to prevail to uh, persevere and to make it part of not just who we are what we do, but what we're known as because we stick at it. Um, Again, overcoming daily, not just a once and done kind of arrangement. Well, Joel, again here, speaking, uh, chapter 1, verse 2, 
So he calls upon the elders here at the very beginning. Uh, Hear this, you elders, and give ear, all you inhabitants of the land. Has anything like this happened in your days or even in the days of your fathers? This judgment was very severe. And he's calling on, can you remember anything as severe as this? Go back a generation or two or more if you can. Um, And knowing that over time, when sin's entrenched, hard to get rid of, and just because an example is given doesn't mean we then lay hold of that example for ourselves. I think of the, the rabbis teaching instead of teaching God's word, Again, easy one would be suffering savior versus the conquering king. What sounds better in a sermon? Well, the conquering king would sound better, I think. That would leave me razzed by the end of it. Instead of the suffering savior, well, uh, what's next after that kind of thing? So, again, teaching from a place of what sounds good for the people to keep them returning versus the truth of God's word and laying it out that they might be educated and, again, be able to carry out his will. Um, So very severe, and again, looking at you know, church and culture over the years, worshipping God on his terms, the way that he models to us through the scripture. Uh, instead of allowing our flesh, the world, and our enemy to influence how church should be. Um, <clears throat> you know, it often feels harder not to when others do. So we look again, again at the world, find them off dancing and seemingly enjoying life and uh, we look upon them as well we struggle with those things that you don't struggle with Uh, those things we're not going to do that you do those things that bring you joy and pleasure really don't bring us joy and pleasure because we understand how God feels about that and we don't want to do that and again the distinction you know the believer struggles with the flesh the world doesn't but again looking at worshipping God, it's on his terms and not what we want to introduce. Um, again, feeling harder not to when others do, uh, for me, brings to mind David when uh, he was confronted with the the opportunity to take out Saul, not just once, but twice, and he didn't. And he knew, he knew why he wasn't going to. He was not going to touch the Lord's anointed. Now, what I think might shed some light on the fact is he was already promised the kingdom. He was already anointed at that time. And then he has to go through years and years and years with this man. Um, I mean, how do we feel when we have a bad neighbor that we you know, see occasionally and gets to irritate us no end immediately? Um, I thankfully have not had to that degree, but uh, I know that they are out there. And um, remember we were looking for a house, the real estate agent said, you might want to knock on some few, a few doors before you buy the place. I was like, that's pretty good advice right there. See the guy open it, you know, with, well, whatever. Um, <coughs> yeah, don't want to go there. Um, but again, David having that opportunity before him, Put yourself in that man's shoes. That might not have been a struggle for him. I know it would be for me. God, I know what you're doing. I know what you've promised. Here's an opportunity to get it done. Because we've got countless examples in the Bible of people getting it done. Um, And again, either being corrected and responding to that correction or hardening themselves against it. But to have the understanding, to have the faith, to have the self-control... Again, not once, but twice, absolutely breathtaking. Uh, I remember the first time hearing that in the scripture, and the truth of David was that David was right, and just being astounded at that man's faith. Again, a man after God's own heart, and uh, seeing that that was how he felt, and then in the face of peer pressure, uh, men that he loved and trusted, you know, saying to them, saying to David, sorry. We will do it for you. You just need to kind of walk away, go get a coffee, uh, whatever you want to do, and it will be done. And he said, don't touch him. Uh, again, if you're taking notes, First Samuel 24 and 26 is where you'll find that. But doing what we think is right versus knowing what God has commanded and doing that. 
cultivating our relationship with God from the beginning and never stopping. Um, thinking of the teens at camp, so they get some scheduled devotion time in the morning. Some of them, uh, I'm sure, keep regular devotions, and some may not as a matter of habit outside of camp, but at camp for the week, they get that in the morning. Uh, 7.30 to 7.45, I'm getting older, so I like to remember stuff and make sure I'm keeping sharp. I don't know if you've been on your phone looking for your phone yet, but I've done that. So, again, having devotion time in the morning, and they go through the day, a couple of teachings, activities, lunch, and, and so forth. Then at the end of the day, the last teaching, retire to the cabins and uh, have, a, have a devotion time with them in the evening. So how that differs is the morning, it's just them. They have 15 minutes, they read. We make a point, because <clears throat> we've been there, not to allow them to keep the time and not to allow, you know, you get out of bed at 7.30 and then you mosey on down anywhere you want to go and, oh, by the time you get there, guess what, it's time for breakfast. No, we're, we're a little smarter than that. So they're in place by 7.30 at the latest <clears throat> and again until 7.45. And then in the evening with that devotion, it's a group devotion. <clears throat> Pardon me. So we get to discuss any questions that they might have had from the day, anything they got out of the teachings. It's just a very rich time. Even if nothing's really said too much or we don't get into it too much, throughout the week uh, it has its ebbs and flows. But uh, I do look forward to enjoying their perspective and what they're getting out, what the Lord's ministering to them. But with that time in the morning, when, they, when some of them speak on it in the evening, some of them can't uh, contain their excitement that for 15 minutes I sat and read. And in that sitting and reading, I, heard, I might not have heard God's voice, but I read his word. And I know he brought witness to what I was reading and what I had learned from that. Either it be that they were reminded of that verse in a different perspective because they're at a different age, whatever the case may be. But it certainly is easier to trust someone that you know. And it is easier to love someone that you trust. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Uh, John chapter 16, verse 13 So Jesus speaking here. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Here speaking of the Holy Spirit and uh, looking forward to getting to this passage that our, again, our daily life with the flesh hounding us is not based on our own strength. It is not something we go about in our own strength. We don't go about it in our own resources. We understand where it comes from. We understand its end, again, to at, at the very least distract us from God. And even more can take and take and take, lead us into sin, have our barns and our storehouses be a shambles. But here, when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. And uh, in the kids' ministry there, just uh, chatting with them sometimes about it, it's, you know... They're kids, right? So how do I trust someone I can't see is a pretty common question. And I think it's interesting that, you know, even as adults, we can kind of, I don't know about, you know, empathize, not empathize, this isn't the right word. We can understand where the question comes from. We can say, yep, I get that because in the early days maybe, or I didn't understand it and here's, Here's how I've enjoyed God's presence. Here's how it, here is how he has ministered to me. And again, in very natural ways, I think we find over our walk with the Lord. Leads us and guides us, works in us and through us in very natural ways. Again, when we're submitted and enjoying that fellowship, keeping sin out, keeping the flesh out, making a place that he may reside. And again, his spirit dwelling in us. 
He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own authority. Whatever he hears, he will speak, and we will tell you, and he will tell you things to come. So giving you a heads up as well, ministering to you throughout the day, telling you no, you probably don't want to do that. Uh, you might want to think about what you said there. Pointing these things out just as a, as a loving father, uh, as a friend, but uh, also with the understanding that he is right. So listening, believing, doing, and learning. If only our life of faith was that simple. Though it is, yet day after day after day. So again, having an understanding of uh, swimming upstream, physical trials as well as spiritual for us. Those in the world deal with physical trials, you know, flat tires, you know, bad battery, so forth. We deal with all those things and the spiritual battles as well. So knowing that God is perfect, when pondering the decisions of God over the ages, it has been said, I believe Pastor Chuck has said it, and I don't assume he was the first, but uh, something that does make me wonder about God is his choice of me. You don't have to look at me. It's for you meant to apply to each of us, right? So uh, again, just a a nice saying that reminds us of our place. Something that makes me wonder about God is his choice of me. Verse, uh, sorry, Romans chapter 17. Romans 17. Romans chapter 7, verse 18. And read through 25, then go into 8. Romans chapter 7, verse 18. Paul speaking here, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do I do not do, but the evil I will not do or that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, is it no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me? I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. A wretched man that I am who will deliver me from this body of death. Verse 25, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. And again, just the ongoing distinction. Paul essentially saying, the things I want to do, I find difficult to do, though I know they're right. That which I don't want to do comes easily, and I do naturally. And that is what I find myself doing. And there is the dilemma, very very simply put for us. Thankfully, Romans 7 gives way to Romans 8. I'll read to you verse 1 through 5. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, We do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. And again, the one that gets fed the most is the strongest. But verse 1 there, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So obviously there's the goal, not just the desire, but the goal to to aim at, to work towards, and being mindful that uh, it is work to get there. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2. So, uh, again, thinking of the people of God here in Joel, the routine maintenance of life, beating back the flesh, overcoming it, subduing it not neglecting and keeping mindful. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, 
fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I don't have time to kind of break through that verse, very, those passages. It was Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 10. Um, there we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. So that's our opportunity, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Again, our opportunity. Um, <clears throat> obedience for us doesn't come naturally. We understand, again, what Paul was saying, what's right that I want to do, yet I struggle doing it. That which is wrong comes easy. I find myself doing it without thinking about it. And again, training, training ourselves to, again, be better, be better about putting up garrisons, uh, better at general maintenance, cleaning up the weeds when they pop up, and uh, again, not leading to locust plague. So Joel chapter 1, verse 9 and 12. A couple other things to be mindful of. So chapter Joel 1, uh, verse 9. The grain offering and the drink offering have been cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests mourn who minister to the Lord. Verse 12. The vine has dried up, the fig tree has withered, the pomegranate tree, the palm tree also, and the apple tree. All the trees of the field are withered. Surely joy has withered away from the sons of men. So keeping watch and being mindful, again, the, the grain offering and the drink offering have been cut off. Seeing these signs in our lives, <clears throat> again, if we're giving into the flesh, giving over to it, not putting up you know, the defenses, um, unwilling to persevere, and uh, seeing these things dry up, withering away, uh, and again, being mindful that, well, greater destruction comes as, as those things are taken away in our life. Um, I don't think I've got the time, but um, Jonah, if you're taking notes, so Jonah chapter 4, verse 5 <clears throat> through 11. I'm not going to read it for sake of time, but Jonah goes nuclear on his, uh, just allows his flesh to use him as a mouthpiece and uh, carry on like a pork chop, we would say in Australia. So leads him into sin, doubles down, says, you know, God says about the gourd, Jonah says, yep, it's right that I'm upset, even to death, take my life. Uh, I mean, just, so says something silly, right? And then instead of saying, I goofed, says, no, I'm right. You know, I'm right. Nope. Hmm. And just has a little tantrum. Um <clears throat> Nipping it in the bud before it gets there. Um, <clears throat> got the note. I think I've told the story before. I call it grandma jujitsu. So my grandmother um, wouldn't let the tone of your voice be a problem, let alone the words. So not the progression, right? Like I do this little thing that's wrong, so I'm comfortable in it. I keep doing it. I can't help myself. I do the next thing. And I do the next thing and the next thing. And after a while, I can't even find where I've come from and... I just create a new place to be instead of being right with the Lord. Um, you know, I was pretty young, eight or nine or something, I guess. So mouthed off, um, sassed her, I think would be a, a pretty uh, similar statement. So uh, she, in her calmness and love, said, I beg your pardon? What did you say? Run that by me again? Kind of just luring me closer. So I repeated it with more tone and affliction. And uh, as I repeated it, she grabbed my arm, and um, uh, I mean, she wasn't a black belt, but certainly, you know, brought my arm up 
which revealed, you know, the softer side of my back there. And uh, it was over before I knew it. But I knew something had happened. So later, putting the pieces together, I figured it out. And I wasn't going to go there again. So uh, again, nipping it, at, nipping it before it gets to a place where it has to be corrected. No one likes correction, right? I mean, just no one likes correction. It's interesting, even the people that have to deal with correction don't like correction either. It's like, there's a mess here, we've got to clean it up. You mind helping me out and let's get it done. Uh, so spare a thought for, for that situation. But uh, again, just understanding that instead of that slow progression, instead of letting it the checks and balances not raise alarms, instead of turning the alarms off, pay attention and uh, don't find yourself there. So Jonah loved the gourd. God loved Nineveh. Quickly about the gourd, though, in case you're not aware, uh, gourds or pumpkins here tend to plants. They can get the worms boring in and the, uh, into the vine, the caterpillars eating the leaves. So these type of bugs can obviously take care of it in a day or two um, and a lot of damage be done. Now, sometimes the plant will recover, and sometimes it won't here. And Jonah seeing that it won't, again, just gives himself over to uh, lining himself up for correction. Um, when the flesh gets its way, it really does make trouble for us. Colossians chapter 3, verse 10. And having put on the new man who was renewed in knowledge according to the image of, uh, according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Jew nor Greek, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another. Even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body. And be thankful. Verse 16 and 17. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Putting on love, again, doesn't come naturally. Putting on God's love would be a better way of saying that. Putting on God's love does not come naturally. We must be taught. And when we get taught, we fail sometimes. And we learn. And the next chance we get, we aim for more. And again, we learn. So putting on what is not natural, putting off what is natural. Again, the world doesn't suffer from this. Um, We do. And being mindful that as a believer, when you look amongst each other, if you're walking with the Lord, if you're serving, and and again, you're, you're mindful that he is living his life through you, you're paying a price Paul is uh, exhorting the people, love each other, row in the same direction, uh, enjoy the fact that you have all of that in common. <clears throat> um, John chapter 14, verse 26, But the help of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Again, that reminder of this and that as we go through the day. Um, Enjoying the Lord ministering to us instead of him being silent. Uh, I mean, no, no believer wakes up and wants that. So, <clears throat> again, creating that environment and then keeping at that environment to make sure he's at home and comfortable in communion. Um, I won't go with that. So, learning the word, heeding the Holy Spirit produces a wise person who God uses. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 through 9. Paul speaking, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. 
We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. I think for us, verse 7, zeroing in on that, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. What a beautiful statement that we have, that again, God has treasure in us, his earthen vessels. And why? That the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Yes, we bring obedience. Yes, we bring submission. Yes, we again live the day-to-day life in communion with him. And he works in us and through us. Not just to our blessing, but to those around as well. Um, Thinking of earthen vessels, hard not to for me. I sell them. Um... It's terracotta, it's clay, it breaks. Uh, Once it's out in the sun and it's hardened, it's just a matter of time, really. So ships to you, it's there, it's nice and structured, but it's got air pockets in it, uh, the contracting, you know, heat, cold, heat, cold, the water as well. So really is only a matter of time that they crack when they're exposed to the elements. They are imperfect. Out of the earth... And here again is the illustration that's used. But when adorned with Christ, when adorned again with the outward working of Christ's likeness, so not just in, but in and through, that others may see, beautiful. Um, don't get hung up on the they only crack and harden kind of thing. I mean, that's just that's pottery. Um, buy a new one. What we're talking about here is that God molds us and shapes us if we are willing, and then as we do it, we enjoy it and say, that's pretty nice because my spirit loves it. It responds and says yes and wants more of it. Flesh screams no. So there again, the battle lines are drawn. And enjoying that we have these earthen vessels, yet Christ adorns them with himself and the opportunity to have it so, uh, such as such as a rich life in Christ. Um. Shortly after feeding the 5,000 here uh, in John chapter 6, verse 25 uh, through 29. So, you know, we have such a desire to work. I mean, it's just inbuilt. We're going to eat by the sweat of our brow, so to have a desire to work is good. But uh, when it comes to salvation, it's out of place. And uh, knowing that, again, God looks to work through us is, again, something we may well struggle with. So John chapter 6, verse 25, when they found him speaking of Jesus on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them and said, most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal on him. Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures. When the disciples came back to him, when they'd left him at the well to go into town and get food, and he'd already eaten the spiritual food of again, interacting with the woman and being filled in that way. Interesting that, uh, again, laboring for the food which perishes, that's that's what we do, right? I mean, it would be nice not to. It would be nice if the loaf of bread just kept renewing itself every day. We didn't have to go out and so forth. But again, the sinful world that we live in and what goes on on a daily basis still being lived out, again in obedience, but overcome in the sense of we want the food that doesn't perish. We want to lay up treasure in heaven, not so we you know, enjoy it when we're there so we can cast more at, the, at our Savior's feet. Um, <clears throat> some good examples of faith. So Acts chapter 9, verse 13 through 17, Ananias here. So Ananias inquires of God, I'm not reading from the verse yet, but uh, when Ananias inquires of God regarding his assignment, he gently makes sure that God understands what he's doing. 
Ananias, I mean, you can't blame the guy. I feel for him. Uh, Verse 13, then Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. Verse 14, and here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way, entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ananias being submitted and being used. Daniel chapter 6 verse 9 and 10 Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home, and in his upper room, with the windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. Um, Beautiful examples of faith. And again, living up to it day after day after day. Obviously not in Daniel's shoes, in our own, but uh, you get the gist. First Timothy four fifteen and 16, I won't read it, but uh, take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Well, I did, didn't I? Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you. You know, God works in us for our benefit and then uses that also for others' benefit. So when you think of your brother and your sister, he's working in their life to your benefit as well. And back to what Paul was saying, you know, be nice to one another. Enjoy that the Lord is working in your life, uh, in their life as well as yours. Iron sharpening iron. And the two obviously must be moving for that to occur. Um, Beneficial to you and to those who hear you. I'm going to finish up in uh, Luke. Finish up with an exhortation in Luke chapter 12, verse 35. Jesus speaking here, let your waist be girded and your lamps burning and you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master when he comes will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. But that word immediately at the end of uh, verse 36, I mean, it just, it's a, such a word picture of their ready, focused, uh, wanting to open immediately. And uh, again, the exhortation to be in, that, be in that position, lay aside everything, the, the sin, the weights that so easily ensnare us, uh, bridle the tongue as best you can, go about your life, Again, knowing that the Lord is true and faithful and we have this life to show him that we believe, again, through our obedience, our trust, our faith in him, and uh, working our way out through our arms and our legs and our doing. Well, let's pray. Thank you very much, Father, for ministering to us this evening. A joy it is to be in your house to worship you and to bless you. You get us home safely, we ask in Jesus' name, amen.